You're listening to the first episode of A Bountiful Life podcast. My name is Sharon Eubank, and I am here with some of my best friends, Carla and Charlene. You want to introduce yourself, Carla? Yes. My name's Carla Hansen, and I uh, grew up in Bountiful and a lot of my life, and now I currently live in Peoria, Arizona, and I work as a therapist in, a, in an inpatient treatment center working with all types of people that that are in, in, in a struggle. I have two fabulous daughters. One lives in Germany and one lives in Maine, so I don't see them very much, but they're, they're my loves. So Carla and I have been friends for 45 years. We just counted up, which is a long time. And Charlene and I have been friends for about 43 years, I would think. I Tell think us about, about 43. Yeah, so my name is Charlene Miner. I live currently in Pleasant Grove, Utah, and I'm an emergency physician. I work in mostly the Salt Lake Valley, caring for whoever shows up in the emergency department at whatever time of day. I am married to Gary Miner and have five children, and they bring me a lot of joy. We all knew each other because we were friends in high school. So we actually went to the eponymous Bountiful High. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm currently in my job right now. I'm the director of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints humanitarian uh, work. And uh, I think I'm single, and I actually live in Bountiful, Utah. And I think uh, we've all, we prepared for missions together. We got our endowments in the temple together. I think we've kept our connections over all these years. But we really started doing something regular during the pandemic. Yeah, it was kind of an interesting thing. I'd been doing some work, some, some presentations at work where I was really delving into what connection means. And part of what I was reading was about um, someone who said that, you know, the writer, of the author of the book was saying that him and some friends had been meeting together uh, virtually, you know, through video, for years after after medical school they kept meeting together once a month and just talking about life and talking about things that are happening and i thought that was such a fabulous idea so i thought who would i want to do that with and two names came to mind and one was sharon and the other charlene and so sharon and i were on during the pandemic on the front porch of my daughter's house and kind of talking about it i said hey sharon what do you think about this idea and she said, that sounds great. So I texted Charlene and said, Charlene, what would you think? And Charlene was happy that she made the cut. <laughs> I just, Easy choice. I, Easy I, choice. I've always tried to choose friends that, were, that would lift me. And I was so happy to be involved in your lives again. So we've been doing this since September of 2020, once a month on, our, on, on Zoom. And I think we've only missed one month. It's because we were all traveling at different times and we couldn't get in, and that was this year. We do all we can to clear our schedules and make this work, and I think it's changed and enhanced our friendship. It's changed my friendship with you a lot. Right, for sure. Just deepened it. Yeah. And so the the importance, I think, you know, in the work that I do and the, the ways that that we address 
you know, addictions or whatever we're doing. The opposite of addiction, we always say, is connection. So it's not sobriety. It's connecting with people who, who can help you be better, who can help you in your recovery. And so the three of us having this connection is so important. And just, yeah. If you look up Bountiful in the scriptures, you're going to get a whole bunch of scriptures about the land of Bountiful. But there are a couple in the Old Testament uh, and these are David, you know, in the Psalms, pouring out his heart because of the, the terrible acts that he had done and trying as hard as he could with the rest of his life to kind of become right again with God through the atonement of Jesus Christ. But he says in Psalm 13, I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully with me. And that resonated to me because I feel like the Lord has dealt bountifully with me. He's generous. He's open. I've done, you know, things that that don't align myself with him, but he's always willing to receive me. And I wanted to to maybe just talk today for our very first episode about what what would be the elements that make up your bountiful life? What are the things that bring that generosity and that bounteousness and that that sense of abundance to your life? We're all different. We're all different in our families, in our work situations, but we've, in the three years we've been talking, we feel this connection. We feel that that bond. So I just wanted to ask about that. What do you think? Well, I think what helps me to feel that I have an abundant life is if I deal bountifully with others as God has dealt with me. So when I'm forgiving, when I'm generous, when I'm kind, I feel so much more blessed and not blessed. When I deal with others in a generous, kind, loving way, I feel the love of God. And I think that we can, when we deal with others that way, we can feel the love of God more strongly in our own lives. Do you have any examples from your work, your family? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so um, I don't know if I can give you a specific example. Yes, I can give you a specific example. I said I, I had a, a gentleman come in one time who had been chased by the police dogs, the canines. And he was ripped up one side and down the other by the dogs. He kept running and they kept attacking him. And he was in really bad shape and just had multiple lacerations. But still had a really mean, um, defiant spirit. And so I came to to help him and talk to him about cleaning his wounds and maybe repairing some of them and, and uh, helping him so that he wouldn't have ill consequences after this and he looked right at me and with a really stern steady face he said don't you touch me and I didn't Um, but I remember thinking that the way he treated me cannot be the way that I treat him that how would God how would God respond to such a stern command and I, I remember that, you know, several years later. That's a great example. Because whether we've been chased by the canines or not, I think we all have wounds. And right. sometimes we say, don't touch me. Yes, yes. You have to think, how would Jesus respond to that? Carla, I know in your work, you said earlier, connection is such a big part of that. And just talk a little bit more about why we feel connection is part of the bountiful life. Well, Anytime we want to isolate, separate ourselves from everybody else, 
not connect with anybody, then we start to get in that. That's that's what sometimes it's our anxiety, depression that makes us want to do that. And the more we do that, the more we pull away, the more we get caught in our own our own struggles and our own inner conflict with our with ourselves, and and then other things we st- then we try to fix it by doing other things. And and everyone becomes dangerous when we're not talking to anyone. Everyone seems like a threat. Everyone seems like someone we need to watch out for. But when you start connecting with people, you're, it opens your heart to seeing who they are, you know, letting them see you, and, you're, and you might be guarded, you might be in all these different places, but you're starting to have more of a, an inner expansion where you're able to bring people in. And when you bring people in, you also are, are going out to them. So in the addiction recovery world, it's so important to have connection with people who are healthy, with people who are doing the same thing that you're doing, that can help you out when you're struggling, that can, you know, you can lift them, they get to lift you. And and one of the one of the definitions that goes along with bountiful, it's it's gener it's generous, it's a large amount, but it's also abundance. And so when we're talking about abundance, you know, that's often, well, I got a lot of stuff. I have an abundant life because I got a lot of stuff. And I'm always, <laughs> let me get more stuff and I'll have more abundance. But that's that's a false sense of abundance. But what true abundance comes from is a feeling within that you have enough and what you have you want to share and what you want to be with. And and you can have this connection brings abundance because we're allowing people in and we're allowing others to feel of us and we're letting ourselves feel of other people. And so why, you know, connection over and over and over, we know it's been studied that having relationships creates greater health it's all it's connected and not having relationships living in isolation living by yourself having that loneliness creates all sort of all sorts of men, medical and emotional issues so i love i love the word abundance because it means something different to everybody but connection is one way to create abundance because abundance just it does mean having a lot but it doesn't mean having a lot of things means having a lot within us that we're able to just kind of enjoy and and bring that joy to other people. And it it's also when we're looking at, you know, we're talking very beautifully about how great life is and none of us have had, you know, a charmed life. We've had our struggles. We go up and down and some days are great at work and some days are like, I am, I need to go home and close my eyes and not talk to anyone for a while. Um, we have we all have families, we have kids, we are, you know, that sometimes they're great and other times it's like, oh my goodness, I think I need some space. I think I need some time. But all of this connection, that's all part of the connection too. It's the ups and downs. It's the, it's the opportunity to see each other and love each other even when we're not at our best places. You know, that brings abundance as well, that we can just appreciate each other even if we're not in a place to really want to appreciate underneath that. And if, you know, we're going back to how love is, you know, connecting this to Christ, we aren't always the best to him. <laughs> and we aren't always showing up for him the way that we would probably truly want to, or maybe don't feel like at times. And he just says, okay, I'm here. And that's, that's what that connection creates for us. You're reminding me of a story. I was just a couple weeks ago in, uh, in a, in a country in Africa, and 
we were there launching child nutrition. So we were measuring kids that were, you know, one and two years old, just how they're doing in their nutrition. They'd been screened once, and this was a follow-up visit in their homes. So we went out to uh, an informal settlement. It's really just a field. The houses were scrap wood and reeds and, you know, not really roofs. And these women, although they came to church every Sunday, and, and the woman that we were visiting had four kids under the age of eight living in this very informal setting. And she did not have very much. She was a widow. Her husband had died of AIDS. And she's trying to take care of these four kids. So we measured the baby. And as part of the visit, we brought some fortified porridge and some peanut butter. And we were showing her, you can mix the peanut butter in there and that'll give the baby more protein. And, and you know, so we're bringing you some supplies. But as we were there, the ministering sister had, was there with her baby. And she said, I have got to get home. This baby is starving. And, you know, I, I didn't bring any of my stuff. And this woman that we had gone to visit went into her little reed place. She opened up that package of porridge. She poured it into a bowl and mixed the peanut butter in it and brought it back out to the minister's baby. And I thought, this is the most humble of women. And nobody would ever say that she's living in abundance. And yet she had the abundance of her heart to be able to give in charity to that other woman. And I, I stood there with my mouth just open because I, I knew I was witnessing something really sacred that a, a woman, we think, as you said, you think it's about stuff, you think it's about having things, and yet this woman showed bountiful charity to somebody else in her own extremity. So I really appreciate what you said about that, and I saw a great example of that. Yeah, it's amazing what happens when people start getting out of themselves, because usually when people come into my, in our treatment center, it's a, you know, it's an inpatient, they don't come at their finest times, right? They're at their lowest levels, life's terrible, their family either forces them to come or they finally say, I can't live like this anymore. Lots of different reasons. But they come and it's overwhelming to have, because there's you know, 60, 70 people there at a time, other patients, and a lot of them just want to sit in their rooms. But they all share rooms. We, you know, we create connection because they have to share a room. They're adults like, I don't share a room. I haven't done that since college. But you know, they do it anyway, and they, they usually end up liking it. But they come and they get overwhelmed with so many people. And once they start letting themselves be seen and talking to people and being accepted for whoever they are, because they come in, some are like who you're talking, who you talked about, Charlene. Some are like, "Don't talk to me. I don't want. I don't want to be here. I don't want to do anything." And then over time, when they finally can see change, you know, fits and spurts sometimes, and some people, you know, everyone comes up with different attitudes, but they start to connect with each other. And the magic of our place is not, you know, we're great therapists. That's why I always say we're fantastic therapists. We provide this or this, but the magic of the, of the community is what makes it happen. It's when they connect with each other, when they see each other and they, they, they're vulnerable with each other, they love each other, and they leave with some of the best friendships they've ever had in their lives. And that's, I just see the power of that connection. We could do great things individually in our little offices, but we can't do the work that the community does with each other. And without that community, it wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to do the work that we do. And so I see it over and over, that connection, it changes. One of my favorite scriptures, can I bring it up? Yeah. Yeah, Carla made me think of it, is in Romans 8. Um, towards the end, 
Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, depth, sorry, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If Paul only read one verse, that was worth the whole New Testament. Isn't it, isn't it right? <laughs> yeah. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And when we are so connected to others and so committed to others that no matter what they do, we are going to love them as God loves them. That's when we feel abundance and bounty and gratitude. So Charlene, I know that you have young adults in your family and they're just moving out on their own. They're just, they're just starting you know, their own adult lives. If you were going to give them advice, or Carla, if you were going to say to your daughters who live in Maine and Germany, this is what I know about the elements of a bountiful life. What would you tell your kids? I know, what if they came and asked you? Because I know they're not going to listen to you as you tell them something. <laughs> if they came and asked you this question. The worst thing we can do is unsolicited <laughs> advice. All right. what? That's right. Let's pretend that your kids come ask you. <laughs> serve others serve others love others give to others find ways to connect with others and to show others God's love through you so how did you learn that oh I've learned it throughout my life I think in high school I learned it well, in junior high, I learned it, and in elementary school, let's go back way far. I learned it from, from taking some of the pains of growing up and some of the name-calling and, and some of the difficulties that you go through when you're in grade school and junior high and high school, and thinking, how am I going to connect with people? I'll tell you one story that you probably don't know, but there were a couple of football players in my seminary class in high school just very immature, and I felt very intimidated by them because they were really popular football players. And as I was thinking about what to do and this huge dilemma and quandary, I hated going to seminary because they were going to be there. And I started cutting articles out of the Bountiful Clipper and saying, hey, look what this football player did on Friday at the football game, just at the beginning of seminary. And I would bring in and I found a love for those football players and they found a love for me and we became more and more connected and I felt the love of God for them as I sought to build them up. You're pretty nice. I don't know that many people would have reacted that way. <laughs> I don't know if I should have told that story, but because I, I certainly don't want to put myself up on a pedestal. There are a lot of things that I didn't do correctly, but, but I did find joy in, in, in finding goodness in those that weren't always good. You said you don't, you, maybe you shouldn't have told that story, but I think it's a true story. Sometimes if we wait for the people who morally should reach out to us because they're the ones being awful, you can wait your whole life. But if you're willing to be the one and to try and build the bridge, even though they should be trying to reach you, I, I think you can circumvent some of that ugliness a lot of times. Well, I just, I love that story because 
that's all I perfectly fits who I knew you were in high school that you would be that type of person and so I love that story so I'm that's why we're friends because I <laughs> learned from you well we learned from each other so I have to tell you I have to tell you for my bountiful life I have to have a little humor and I'm not a funny person I, I'm just not I, I can do other things but and I enjoy humor but I can't really make people laugh and one of the things that attracted me to Carla when we were 15 years old and sophomores in high school was she could make people laugh and it brought the tension down in the room and it, it brought down walls and she somehow included me in that little circle of, of funniness and you never made fun of people in a mean way. You just kind of laughed about the funny things that were going on in life and you still do that. It's the way I communicate <laughs> and as we know it can get in the way sometimes when I try yeah it's it does create abundance when you can just laugh and even when you're really hurting, some a little bit of humor can just help us take a breath and just be okay. It's one of my favorite things about being your friend because like I said, I can't produce it, but I can enjoy it when I'm with you and that's <laughs> fun. And I appreciate being your friend because you keep listening to me and oh, make me feel like I'm okay. I'm a good even. audience. <laughs> <laughs> and then I learn from your wisdom. We're just about to the end of this first podcast, but I did. I wanted to have you have a chance just to say, what would you say to your daughters about what, what you know? What was the question again? How, how do, what are the elements of a bountiful life? What have to be in it for it to work? It's a really hard question to answer because it's so different for everybody. You know, we're all really unique people. And, you know, I love what you said, Charlene, looking outside yourself, that does create abundance. That's the connection piece. Um, it's also looking within ourselves and finding out what true abundance means as we're internally. You know, what do I need today to really create this? What's good for me today? And a lot of times that is going out and doing something for someone else. And sometimes it's just taking care of ourselves in a way that we didn't know we needed to be taken care of. You know, sometimes it is maybe taking a break from doing some stuff. I need to sleep a little bit or I need to, today's going to be my reading day. I just need to sit and read a book today because that will create more abundance for me internally. And then, then I can go out and hopefully do some of those things that, that connect me to other people through helping, through serving. And service is always a great thing. I just think that abundance comes from figuring out how we can find out what we need and and what our wants and needs are what do we truly how, how do we express those how do I tell people what I need and how do I also with that when my needs are really being met in an abundant way I can look at other people and kind of think oh I can see how I can you know I, I have what I need let me see what other people need too and we talk a lot about um you know, the example of the, the, um, the oxygen mask in an airplane, right? If you're, if you're on an airplane and you have kids next to you, who do you put the oxygen mask on first? Oh, my kids, I don't want anything to happen. Nope, can't put it on your kids first because if you're not there to help them because you've passed out because you're out of oxygen, you're not going to be much good to them. And so that abundance has that. It's the fullness of I get to take care of myself because I am truly worth taking care of. And with that, when I can take care of myself in a way that I need, I'm so willing and able to take care of other people in their times of need as well. Or just be friends, you know, what a service is friendship, right? It's, 
it's doing something silly with somebody. It's, you know, I, I think when, you know, the way you describe it, Charlene, is, is just beautiful. It's what is, you know, think of other people. And sometimes it's just, I think I want to just go have lunch with them. <laughs> I think I want to just go for a walk with somebody because what's the best thing? And kind of what you said, Charlene, yeah, I'm so glad I got picked. Isn't it great that we get to pick people? And, and what that means to other people when we get to have that chance to say, hey, you're important to me in my life. Do you want to just go for a walk? Do you want to just do something simple? And then we are, even when they are in struggle, we're in a place that we can help them too because we, we know them. Well, it's helped us. I mean, it got us through the pandemic with each other. It and- did. Yeah. Yeah, we... I kept going to work every day. Charlene kept going to work every day. Sharon was working every day, but she was home. She didn't leave the house for, what, months? And we had each other. Well, I want to close with this final thought, and Carla really brought this up. I'm really taken by the idea that although God knows exactly what will create a bountiful life for us, He wants to know what we want. And so the scriptures are full of the different varieties of the question, what is wanted? What, can, what do you want me to do for you? What seek ye? Asking us that question, not because he doesn't know, but because he wants us to identify it. And so for us, we're hoping in this podcast, it's a journey for the three of us and for anybody else who's listening. What's your journey of what it is you need and what can your community and your God and your friends help you find so that the bountiful life is yours? And we hope to explore that over these different times. I think we'll post every other week, probably twice a month, you'll see us. And you can follow us wherever you get your podcasts. And we're looking forward to more.